Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Today's show is from a recent live event Brian presented at. Let's listen in. This is the most important segment of the whole event. We're going to last through the moon. Remember that? The power of a dream. The power of a dream. So we've got to have it. It's a visual portrait of true north. You've got to have a dream. I always look for the examples. As a kid, I had a grandfather that came to America. Ireland was in a very tough state, and especially the south side of Dublin and whatever else at the time, considered the poorest city in Western Europe at the time. And so my grandfather, uh, Harry Buffini, who made it into a rap video this weekend... <laughs> So he went to America, went to Brooklyn, St. John's Place in Brooklyn, and then went out to Glen Cove on Long Island. There we go. That's when my dad was born in Brooklyn, then out to Glen Cove, and they were here. I think when my dad was seven, they went back to Ireland. And so they came, and right when they came, came in 1927, they came just in time to catch the Great Depression. And then when they left back to Europe, they were just in time to catch the Second World War which is one of the reasons why I always teach about not trying to time the markets, because it's not a Buffini family trace, apparently. <laughs> so, you know, we had a dad. Now, my dad is more Irish than any Irishman you know, but he has an American passport, which is one of the reasons I got here. Oh, by the way, you know, just so you know, even though my dad is American-born with an American passport, it took me two years to get my visa. And one of the reasons so many of us come here, and we have $92 and I have 62 have you ever heard those stories? Because it takes a lot of time and a lot of money and bloody years and checks, x-rays and TB and blah, 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 blah to bloody get here even if my dad was a yank. And so my dad's a character, right? So, like, just to get a rise up out of us, he would always cheer for the Americans during the Ryder Cup. <laughs> he's in the golf club and this and that. He's just, you know, you have to know him. But one of the things that always struck me growing up, there was three pictures in every home in Ireland. And it was Jesus and Mary, the Pope, and John F. Kennedy. Not always in that order. Okay, just everywhere you went. And so, so many of Irish people came here, right? I think it's 52 million descendants in America have come from Ireland. And yet Ireland's, what, four? So every family has family in, in America. And that went on for 150 years, bringing people here. But the one thing that I was a child, that America was this dreamy place to me. Now, I didn't believe the streets were lined with gold. I had an uncle who lived in Queens and, you know, whatever else. But it was the American space program. It was just amazing. You know, because for millennia, people say, ah, you know, the man on the moon, and there's people living on the moon, and da 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 And America is the first culture in the world where they say, we're going to have a goal together. We're going to have this dream. We're going to put a man on the moon, bring him safely to Earth before the end of the decade. And I just became enamored with it. Never in my wildest dreams that I think Neil Armstrong's first public appearance in 15 years would be at a real estate conference but the power of writing personal notes. And when you get good at writing personal notes, you get good results. The question I asked them, and, I, and again, this is probably, you know, be honest with you, I, you know, it still stands out as, you know, the most magical moment I ever had in any work I was ever, I just, I could not believe, it was an out-of-body experience being there with that man that time. You know, years later, Hurricane Katrina, we couldn't get water to people in Louisiana. 
and we were, you know, such an advanced nation at the time. And 40 years before, we put a man on the moon, brought him safely to Earth by the end of the decade, and there was less computer technology in the cockpit than is in a cell phone. I mean, a cell phone and a nuclear missile, strap your arse to it, and up and down you go. I mean, that's wild. Would you guys agree? So let's go. And so the first question I asked them was, they had 11 major corporations involved, every branch of the military, all the politicians involved, everybody taking credit, and any time went, went wrong, shift and blame. Right? Big competition with the Ruskies. See? Wasn't just then. And I go, how did it happen? He goes, because every night, when all of these people went home, they saw their goal in front of them. He goes, every night, they saw their goal in front of them. Jimmy Stewart won a lasso of the moon. Remember? Because in 1947, that was ridiculous. He did not think. Think about it. 22 years later, America lassoed the moon. What an amazing thing. And set the goal, and there were heartaches and breaks and whatever else, but we're going to do it before the end of the decade, and sure enough, July 4th, 1969, boom, there it is. You know, never miss that. So having your goal in front of you, having your dream in front of you, they saw their goal every night. So even though there was all these different parts, all these different companies, all these different military pieces, all these different budgets, all the reasons that should be complete and utter chaos, no nearing the technology or communication that we have today, and they beat the goal as a nation. I had three great experiences with my dad. My dad grew up listening to the Brooklyn Dodgers on radio, and he had never been to a baseball game. And when he went back to Ireland, he got in trouble because he couldn't speak Gaelic, and he put him in a Catholic Gaelic-speaking school, and they got bullied and all that stuff. Else. And so he was the yank when he went back to Ireland. Do you follow me? And he used to listen to Armed Forces Radio. And one of the great experiences I had in my life is sitting behind home plate, and my dad sitting next to me and watching a game. And the New York Mets were playing the Padres, and he's sitting there, and he's not the most emotional guy, and he is choking up, and he said, I always wondered what it looked like, because he'd only ever heard it on the radio. Another place, though, we went down to the Kennedy Space Center, and we walked into the Kennedy Space Center, and my dad's an American passport holder, but he's as Irish as it gets, and it's just, I always say, Kennedy Space Center, Washington, D.C., Normandy, three places every American should go, and you go into the Kennedy Space Center, and they have... The Apollo 11 replica, suspended from the ceiling. It's the length of a football field. And you're going through all this, and you're walking in this place, and you're looking up. And it's this massive rocket. And my dad said one of the greatest things. He kind of let it slip for a second. He goes, God, the Yanks can do anything, can't they? <laughs> I thought you were the Yankee. <laughs> you know, the Yanks can do anything. Is that true? Did that just stop? Eight of you. Great. I'm glad I've worked so hard here for two days. <laughs> so I had this dream. I had this moment because it was hitting me. So they had their goal in front of them, their goal in front of them, their goal in front of them, their goal in front of them. And he told me this, and this is how they achieved this amazing goal. And I had this other question that was a goal of mine because I wanted to know. So I asked him this question, and I was like a child. I was sitting with Grandpa, and he was telling these stories. Was anybody here? Was anybody there, Neil Armstrong? Was that something else? I interviewed Magellan. That's who he is. And he didn't want to be Magellan because all he ever talked about is the thousands of people involved. Because he understood who he was. He was just one little bit of it. So I asked him this question like a child. And watch his answer. Let's take a look. It's a crystal clear November evening. Little nip in the air. It's just as clear as can be. And you're driving home. And you get out of your car. 
and you look up, what comes to your mind? Girls. That was my big moment right there. <laughs> you know, dreams are amazing things. Here's what they do. They fill you with hope. Hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things. And hope never dies. Number three, makes the grind tolerable. Makes the grind tolerable. I'll throw you a little quote here just to reinforce my last section, Vince Lombardi. I've never known a man worth his who in the long run, deep down in his heart, didn't appreciate the grind, the discipline. Number four, your world gets bigger. <sighs> I love this quote, the great John Muir. He said, the world is big, and I want to have a good look at it before it gets dark. And number five, it draws on your potential. Thomas Edison, a great American. Think about what Thomas Edison brought us. What are some of the things he invented? Light bulb, phonograph, motion picture camera, lights, camera, action, and 1,090 more patents. He was one of the inner circle of Andrew Carnegie that was interviewed by Napoleon Hill that was one of the influences on a book called Think and Grow. He said this, if we did all the things we're capable of, we would astound ourselves. He said if we, didn't say you, we did all the things we're capable of, we'd astound ourselves. So what gets in the way of our dreams? Here's the first thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's not all black and white, or oh, you're great, or you, know, you win, you lose. The first thing is our responsibilities. Okay? We live in this world. Look at this picture here. Look at young George Bailey. He's in Mr. Gower's drugstore. What does he have? National Geographic. He wants to see the world. But he's a kid and he's working. And he's working and he's, he feels dissatisfied, but he wants, to, he wants to dream, but he has this responsibility to do this job. Oh, by the way, he saved Mr. Gower from poisoning a child, ruining lives. But in the meantime, he never got to go there. Never happened for him. The next phase of it, he's with his dad. He's going off to college. Well, George, would you consider taking over the, the bank? Well, 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 well Dad, uh, you know, I... His dad was in the real estate business. You guys got that part of the movie, right? <laughs> I wouldn't have a roof over my head if it wasn't for you, George. So what happens is he's going off to college. Pursue his dream. A responsibility shows up. His dad passes away. Bank's having a meeting. Family business. What they meant to the community is about to go away. His responsibility at that time in his life took away the dream. And there he was after his dad passed away, he's now running this bank, the job he didn't want to do, in a house he didn't want to live in. By the way, some of the personal growth stuff we're talking about, it's in the movie. Here's a picture of uh, the character who plays his dad, and underneath it there's this quote. That quote says, all you can take with you is that which you've given away. That quote is from Jimmy Stewart's actual dad, an Irishman who owned a hardware store. It's all over. There's diamonds if you keep looking. And then finally he's going to get out of town. He marries the girl. They're going on their honeymoon. Finally. And one more time the responsibility hits. And he has to blow the money and not go on his honeymoon. 
to save the bank. George Bailey is a wonderful life, and he made all of these decisions where the responsibilities came before what he perceived as his dream. How many of you in here have often done the right thing and feel like you haven't been rewarded for it? Can I see your hands? The movie's not over. Number two, beliefs. Beliefs, my man. When you develop yourself to the point where you believe in yourself so strong that you know you can accomplish anything you put your mind to, your future will be unlimited. And what I found with that, just to give you some encouragement, let me tell you this, that's not a permanent state. You'll have moments, periods, sometimes seasons of that, but it comes and it goes. What an obnoxious jerk we would be if all we had is self-belief 100% every hour of the day. There are people like that. <laughs> Number three, not connected to our past. Not connected to our past. The prophet Joe Nego says, your tomorrow builds on your today. What's he mean by that? You go set a dream. Okay, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. I have this dream and it's completely away from anything I've ever done or anything I've ever learned. Your tomorrow builds on your today. The stuff that's gotten you here, it's acres of diamonds. You go dig down. You've got these skills. You've got these things you've developed. You keep digging because everything you've done up till now is what you need to get you to the next level. We always think out of our own insecurity, I need to do this radical thing I don't know how to do. I need to get people I don't know. I need to get money I've never had. I need to do all these remarkable things. I do these because I'm not enough. You have been prepared for this moment. Success leaves clues. There's been little breadcrumbs all the way along for all the things you've done since you were a kid. Your tomorrow builds on everything you've done up till today. Make sense? So the dreams are a deepening and a digging down. Apple computer, iPhones. You ever heard there's no such thing as a, a bad idea? You ever heard that? Here's a little refinement on that. There's right ideas at the wrong time. There's right ideas at the wrong time. It happens. The Yogi Berra. This is about the only non-yogiism yogi yogi of all time. You don't have to swing hard to hit a home run. If you got the timing, it'll go. Here's another thing that derails our dreams. You write out a dream, you write out a goal, it doesn't move us emotionally. It's got to get you. It's got to get you. It's a quote I shared with my son when he joined the U.S. Navy. It says this, The true soldier fights not because he hates what's in front of him, but because he loves what is behind him. So, we're going to do a little exercise. I want you to sit up in your chair. We're going to do yoga without moving our bodies. <laughs> Something I specialize in, it'll be my next book. <laughs> nice deep breath, in through the nose, out through the mouth. <sighs> Here you go. Here you go. One more big one. <sighs> so for about 45 seconds, I want to have everybody just close their eyes. We're going to do a little visualization exercise, okay? One, two, three. Close your eyes. Big breath in through the nose. Out through the mouth. Blow it out. Now a little slower. In through the nose. Out through the mouth. Now a real gentle one. Hold it in there. Blow it out. It's near the end of your life. You're sitting by a beach, by a lake, by a mountain by wherever place in your life that fills your soul. It's been a wonderful life. And you're reflecting back on your wonderful life. What are the things that have made your life wonderful? 
Who are the people who have made your life wonderful? What experience have you had that's made your life wonderful? How many of you got some pretty good stuff written down? How many of you really struggled with that? Understand, this is an event, but it's designed to impact you. And it might happen in the shower, it might happen on the flight home, it might happen two weeks from now. You're going to start thinking about this. All I ask is keep a pen handy. Because once this starts to flow for you and you realize how wonderful your life's been, you focus on the wonder and not the awful. And everyone in this room's had... The first things that often come to mind is the tragedies, the setbacks, and the heartaches. And I understand. I understand. But life is still wonderful. And by the way, there's power in that that you can unleash. Would you like to have a revelation about the movie It's a Wonderful Life that would change your life? Would you like to have a revelation? See, I, I want every time you see the discount salt shaker, wherever you go, <laughs> that everywhere you go, you're going to see salt. Every time you see it, what's going to happen? So I put it in your brain. Try not to think about it. Try not to think of a salt shaker right now. Every time you see salt, see, I put a trigger in there. Every time you see a diamond, I put a trigger in there. I want you to see yourself. And every time you watch It's a Wonderful Life, I want you to remember this. You see this scene right here where Clarence gets his wings? It's the end of the movie. It's not the end of the story. It's the end of the movie. It's not the end of the story. It's the end of the movie. It's not the end of the what? What happened to George Bailey? What happened? When he was brought to the end of himself, he was going to pitch himself off a bridge, and he didn't. What happened? He came back with a new perspective on every aspect of what his whole life had been. He did an exercise with Clarence called What Made My Life Wonderful, and he wrote his stuff down, and you need to finish this exercise and do it. And not just put this workbook somewhere. You need to go do it. Because without that, you're going to miss out on what Clarence has to say to you. But now all of a sudden, Jimmy's in this spot. He's got this new perspective. He's got this new appreciation. He walks back, the bank examiner, the whole, it's all there for him. But it's like, boom, I don't care. My circumstance haven't changed. I don't care. I'm happy to be alive. I love my family. I've lived a wonderful life, and I just didn't realize it. And now he goes walking in, and all of a sudden, his whole community, his database gets to together. All the people he sold houses to, all the people he finances, all the people he did calls, notes, and Popeyes to show up. And they give it themselves, and they give back, and they do this, and they do that for their kids, and they put this, and they have a party. And the brother who's the hero goes, screw the White House. I didn't want the Congressional Medal of Honor. I want to see my brother. And they all come back. And now he gets a line, and he gets support. He gets 25 grand. He's got money in the bank. He said... You see, he had all these ideas all along. It was just the wrong time. It was the end of the movie. It wasn't the end of the... What do you think happened to George Bailey? Wow. I know he went on to do some incredible things. I'm actually going to, before we leave here today, tell you what happened in the end of the story. Because I know. <laughs> so now was the time for George... He'd done the responsible thing. He'd done all the things that can sabotage a dream. But now he's in a place he has wisdom, he has insight, he has an AARP card. <laughs> and now's the time to go back and revisit the dreams. Now is the time for George to go back and lasso the 
We met the man in the... George won the last suit. Remember this when he was young? Had his whole life in front of him? We get beat up when we don't get to fulfill the dreams. But it doesn't mean hope never dies and neither does a dream. You've had all this wisdom. You've had all these experiences. You've had all these different things. We've got to have the dream. You have elements that made your life wonderful. That's part of the clues for the future. So now, one last fill in the blank. One last chance to write just a little bit. Just to start the process off. You won't perfect it. And it's going to be my lasso the moon goal. Just elements. What would Say Wantaneo look like for you? What would Lasso and the Moon look like for you? What was an idea you had, and it might have been a right idea at the wrong time? Maybe you didn't have the experience. Maybe you had the wisdom. You didn't have the know-who. You didn't have the capital. You didn't have the relationships. Maybe you've never gone that far before. And you're just like, well, man, well, this would be crazy if we did this. Why don't you just get out on the edge of the skinny diving board for a while and just have a go? Just let your mind soar. Get away from your current situation, your current circumstance. I don't care how old or how young you are. I just want to pick up your pen and just write, bat nuts crazy, lasso the moon. Just this would be awesome if. This would be awesome if. Or I've had this idea before, but I put it on ice. Maybe it's time to bring that sucker back out. It might be, it'll be different. But let me just have a go again. What would a lasso the moon look like for you? Just write the first things that come to your mind. Understand, I know the power of an event like this, and I know the, the shortcomings in an event like this. What happens after is where the magic happens. Some of you are going to walk back to the office, to your home, whatever else, World War III is breaking out. Are you hearing me? Put the good stuff in, put the good stuff in, put the good stuff in, put the good stuff in. Revisit the workbook, revisit the workbook. By the end of this weekend, please, revisit what makes life wonderful and the last to the moon. Folks, listen, if you do those two things, the entire event will have been worthwhile because this is all about you and all about you is on that page. Does that make sense? And it'll be a process and coaches can help you and all that stuff, obviously. Would you like to know what happened at the end of the true story of It's a Wonderful Life? Yes. Clarence got his wings, right? Yes. Well, here's what happened or something close to it, as all Irishmen would say. Jimmy Stewart's life is a pretty good reflection of what happened. Jimmy Stewart, on his way to college, his Irish father gave him one book. It was called Acres of Diamonds. And like most Irish fathers, he wasn't the greatest always at communicating his love and affection for the kids, even though he felt it deeply. But he said, Jimmy, you're a diamond. Now, his dad was still closed-minded because he said, you're going to Diamond, you're going to Princeton, which is where I went, and then you're going to come back and run the hardware store. And so Jimmy, Jimmy went off to Princeton. Just like uh, George Bailey supposed to come back and run the hardware store. Look at it. Stewart and company. There they are. Jimmy had a dream. He wanted to engineer. He wanted to build things. He wanted to go places. He built model aircraft. He actually went to uh, college. He studied architecture because he wanted to build airplanes. There's him and the dad in front of the hardware store. Jimmy finished up Princeton. The dad said, right, I'm going to give you a summer off. It'll be the last summer you ever have off. Come back and run the store. When he was up there, they said, well, you got a few months. And like all Irishmen, he could play the accordion or sing. He could play the accordion. And so they said, well, come on up. We're doing this kind of 
actor's camp and we're having a, a bunch of folks get together. You play the accordion. And he got there. And he struck a friendship up the way I did the day I met Joe Nego with a fellow by the name of Henry Fonda. And they became inseparable their whole lives. And Henry Fonda said, Jimmy, you should act. Forget the accordion. And he started practicing. Jimmy Stewart was a lifelong Republican who helped Ronald Reagan become governor and president. Henry Fonda was a hardcore liberal Democrat. And his daughter was Jane Fonda. Hanoi Jane. And they were best of friends their whole lives. I have some terrible news for you. I have Republicans and Democrats in this room. Now, we know where they all are. So Jimmy gets into acting. And bit by bit, and he wasn't very good because he couldn't do accents. Okay? He went. His first role was of an Austrian general. Jimmy Stewart as an Austrian general. So he went and gave money for elocution lessons for training, the number one voice coach in Broadway, and after three lessons, she gave him his money back. <laughs> True, as I'm saying, look it up on YouTube, an interview with Parkinson, who's a great British interviewer. Couldn't do anything with him. He just kept reading Acres of Diamonds. I'm just going to try to be myself. And he started getting a little better and a little better. He did dozens of movies, and back then, they'd make seven movies in a year. The studios, they kind of owned you. And make seven movies a year. Little movies, little movies. Eventually, in 1938, he does a movie with Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant called The Philadelphia Story. And J J Jamie Stewart wins an Oscar. Now, can you imagine this happening today? That an Oscar-winning best male actor in an Oscar before Pearl Harbor leaves the acting business and goes and enlists as a private to go fly because it was his dream. But they go, you're Jimmy Stewart, you won an Oscar, by the way, you have a college degree, we're going to make you an officer. When he went to enlist that day, he was 33. The cutoff age for enlistment was 27. He was 130 pounds. For his height, he needed to be 156. He said, uh, hey, I'll give you an autograph if you change the number. <laughs> he was an Oscar winner. Listen, who was willing to take a risk, get out of his comfort zone, do something. By the way, was it in his past? Was it part of his dream? So he pursued it. So they made him an officer. And what did they do? They put him in movies. Not m Hollywood movies, movies to recruit airmen for the Second World War. And he, wrote, he did a movie called uh, Winning Your Wings, and he helped recruit 150,000 airmen. But he said, I can't do this. I can't bring all these young men in to go fly in combat and not be in combat myself. Because who I am is not what I do. So he begged and pleaded and begged and pleaded, and finally they gave him a combat commission. And he flew dozens and dozens and dozens of missions during the war. Lost over 130 men, like I said. Now, this is going to be a little close to home. One of my favorite actors, in fact, my all-time favorite actor growing up, I had two, Sidney Poitier. I've always loved the blacks. <laughs> and John Wayne. Now, here's the thing. John Wayne... They have an airport after him. I love him. He represents America. John Wayne got deferment and didn't go to war. John Wayne, his career took off during the war because he was this big, strong guy. And he's doing all of these back to batons and this and any other. But he never fought. So what happened is Hollywood loved him because he made him a bunch of money during the war. When Jimmy Stewart came back, he couldn't get a job. Because Hollywood said, you abandoned us. 
you were an Oscar winner. And so it had been nine years since he'd made a movie. So he got an offer for the movie called It's a Wonderful Life. Because a man who was a personal growth guy whose favorite book was Acres of Diamonds and his second favorite book was Think and Grow Rich named Frank Capra made an offer to him. That prayer scene, 130 men I lost, 130 families impacted. That's what he brought to the table. Who he was, he brought. Who he was, he brought. He lived that stuff. He continued on. He did something that very few people did at the time. The blended family was not a big deal at the time. He had never been married. And he meets a woman with two young children. And he marries her. And they have a couple more of their own. And his wife in an interview said, I could never tell that they weren't all his. Is that a great man? In 1947, that wasn't the deal. He was 41 when he got married. And they lived a good life, and it wasn't without challenge. As he raised that family, and they lived in the same house until his wife passed away. 48 years of marriage. Life wasn't easy. It wasn't all peaches and cream. They had a young son who became a lieutenant who served in Vietnam and was killed in Vietnam. But he continued to live this amazingly fantastic Wonderful life. He, he made 117 pictures, iconic pictures. The Glenn Miller story. Remember that? It's a wonderful life. Spirit of St. Louis, Mr. Smith goes home. By the way, do you know what else he did? While he was making 117 movies, getting nominated for five Oscars, he still continued to serve his country in the reserves. Do you know that Jimmy Stewart retired as a brigadier general? You know he followed Warren Buffett long before Warren Buffett was around? Because he followed the same principle, he invested in what he knew. You know, one of the things he invested in was a little thing called Southwest Airlines. You see, he had wisdom. By the way, did he know something about planes? Did he know something about that stuff? Did he? Herb Kelleher, he was a man I could trust. He looked him in the eyes. I want to support this guy. At the time, Southwest Airlines, all the big airlines said, you're not going to make it. In fact, you can't even fly out of the state of Texas directly. You've got to stop in El Paso or something change planes and bags they said okay and jimmy said i like this guy he's got a good concept we got one airplane one type of pilots one type of this and he went on to do dozens and dozens and dozens of things now i'm not going to say george bailey is jamie stewart but i'm not going to say they're not either wisdom from the elders shortly before he passed away he summed up everything that we need to talk about tonight this is four seconds pay close attention here's what he had to say at the end of his life I've had a wonderful life. I thank God for it. Is there anything else to say? It's not always perfect. It's not always easy. It's not without its bumps along the road. Folks, I've had a chance to feel like George Bailey many times in my career. Crazy. House burning down, doing seminars, people showing up from all over kingdom come. Recessions and unbelievable things in my real estate career I saw it. You guys don't know that you're George and Georgina Bailey and that you have people's lives you've affected for years and 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 years. And although you may not feel it and see it all the time, you've had such an impact on people. If you got them all in one room, it would be a celebration. And you put it all together and you have the pluck and the courage to do it. Going out of here, we've talked a lot about the movies, but I'm more interested in your story. And your story is not finished. It is a wonderful life. And after all you've been through and all of your life's journey, are you still open and willing to grow and willing to challenge yourself? 
and willing to learn and bring family members and friends and share it. It's unbelievable. The future's bright. We're going to go lasso the moon and we're going to make life wonderful. I'll leave you with a blessing. A blessing over all of you. This is like a family reunion and I'll be dad for right now. May the roads rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we all meet again, I hope you know God's got you in the hollow of his hand. God bless you. We'll see you next year. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Our goal is to positively influence as many folks as we can. So be sure to share it with others. And don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. Uh, We love hearing the feedback. You can check out the show notes on thebrianbuffinishow.com. We're on Android, so you can download your favorite podcast app from Google Play and tune in for free. See you next time. (laughs) 